Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Soy Osvaldo Alonso y estás escuchando Sound of the Loom. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics i'm steve mcpherson i'm once again joined by cal williams i feel like it's it's been a little bit again cal because we just had that we had like two double game weeks back to back it was it was a lot there was a lot of stuff i was just barely keeping my head above water and then on top of that it's gotten legitimately chilly here in in minnesota we're now into the into the 30s and 40s waking up and it being like freezing so um it's it's good soccer weather um it's it's a good time to go out there and 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 run a lot uh so it's 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 good you don't i presume you don't have to do any yard work um where you are cal i i I have uh, i have a yard and i have a lot of leaves and um i I never know what to do with the leaves because I've heard you, you shouldn't rake them like that. The, they're, they're natural. They will decompose. It will make your, your grass better, but that also just kind of looks garbagey in the spring. Like I, I find myself, you know, when people are like, you don't have to rake your leaves. I'm like, is this the same way that people are like, you don't have to use deodorant because you have to use deodorant. Like I understand people they are like, it's cool. You're natural, but no, you smell like, use deodorant. So I don't know, I don't know where I fall on the side of this debate, but maybe it's something you've never had to worry about since I believe you don't have a yard. Yes, no, no, um if if ever we do have to worry about anything, the uh, people at the apartment complex take care of it. So, um we we don't really. Um and our um little uh, balcony looks over a really lovely yard and what have you, but um yeah, most mornings now people are there, people who I'm assuming are working in the building, um are there raking up leaves and um i've been woken up by a windblower or two over the course of the last week for sure um uh, or a leaf blower whatever you guys call them here yeah yeah um and uh Do they call them wind windblowers in england is that the I think so is... yeah i think so okay. I, I could i could have just made that up but I, I think so yeah i'd not heard the heard the term leaf blower until i came here sure. um but it, it makes sense it's very very obvious as to what it is a windblower that doesn't really make I, much sense does it you blow i don't you know, know. You're blowing a bit of wind, like I, well, you know, yeah. Anyway, so I've been woken up by several of those uh, over the last week or so, um, because they tend to tend to do it at sort of six or seven in the morning, and and you know, hey ho. Um, but no, we, we don't have to worry about any of that. Um, but the one thing which I have noticed is particularly when uh, when I come back from watching Minnesota United training up at the facility, I will notice now that there are an abundance of leaves on on our floor because I've dragged them in on my feet mm-hmm. and a shed load of grass as well. Our apartment <laughs> is just now covered in green grass. So it's ridiculous. Yeah. My wife is furious and she has every right to be. Uh, so I've got to do a better job of, um, you know, making sure that doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, no, to answer the question, Steve, no, no, we're, we're all good. We don't have to worry about that. I'm assuming it's the complete polar opposite for you. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I drag leaves in. I also have two smaller human beings who live in my house who drag plenty of leaves into the house uh, (laughs) on their feet. They also, uh, the other thing they do is they have, uh, when they come home from school, sand in their, their sneakers. And if you don't make them take the sand out, they it, they take it off and it creates a pile of dust. It's like a cartoon pile of sand. Like it's I, I'm like, how did you have this much sand in your shoes? It would have driv- driven me crazy if I had that in my shoes. So you have to make sure they go outside and then when they knock them, knock the sand out. It's like you can hear the sand falling like that's how much sand is in there. So, wow. uh, yeah. So this is starting the time of year between the leaves, uh, grass clippings, sand. Uh, soon it will be mud and snow and grossness and all that. It's just, I prefer the time of year in the summer when you can just come in and not worry about what you're tracking in, essentially. Uh, that's that's much preferable. Um, speaking of coming in with tracking a bunch of crap along with the Minnesota United came into uh, Sunday's game against SKC, really needing to win after a not great showing on Wednesday. Look at that transition. We just did it real naturally. Let's talk about that win over SKC. Um, it's got to be one of the best wins of the year in terms of the timeliness and coming from behind, defeating a team that was the, you know, the top seed uh, in, in the Western Conference at that moment. Um, a team that obviously Minnesota United has been better at Allianz Field against Sporting Kansas City since its, its early days. But still, Sporting is never a team that, that you want to take lightly. Um, it's it's got to be up there for this season, I would think. Yeah, I, I would agree in the sense that it's probably up there in terms of one of the most uh, important results. Um, Performance-wise, it was it was good. I, I I think Minnesota didn't go up against the the best version of Sporting Kansas City. If I'm being totally honest, Steve, I think they sure. they started really well in in rip-roaring fashion. Obviously, scored inside eight minutes, um, and I was a little bit worried then, Steve, because after that. I thought, right, well, obviously Minnesota now have to open up a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know, I, I hadn't seen training or anything that week. I was away. I wasn't doing the game. And I so I wasn't really, I was none the wiser in terms of what the approach was going to be. But I had my own assumptions. And, and my thought was, I can absolutely see Minnesota being a little more disciplined, sitting back, inviting and absorbing a little more pressure and hitting on the counterattack. I could see that for sure. And and so when when Kansas City scored in the opening seven minutes, I thought, hmm, this could be really problematic now because it means Minnesota have to open up a little bit more and they have to force the issue because they have to go and win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but credit where credit's due, Steve, I thought the showing of character from from the home side was wonderful. Uh, it was obviously a, um, a, a a decent goal to to get them back into it. I still think Tamilia should probably save it, to be honest, a goalkeeper of his standard. I must admit, I was surprised when, when I saw Fragapana hit it, and he strikes it beautifully, by the way, but mm-hmm. when it when it hit the, it, it almost hit the, the palm of um, of Tamilia's right hand, um, and it didn't, uh, it, it, it wasn't saved. Um, I, I thought to myself that a goalkeeper of that standard usually makes the save there, and he didn't. It sort of crept underneath or maybe just above it it wasn't as quite as commanding as as he usually is but look nevertheless um minnesota won't care <laughs> they won't yeah. care you know get, just get back into the game however you can and they did that and I, and I thought they showed tremendous resiliency by by doing that and getting back on the board as quickly as they could um and then they seem to grow in confidence i mean how many times have we been told steve that, that goals change games um <laughs> and yeah it, it, it does sort of warrant a laugh with, with a lot of people up here now but but it is absolutely so true um because 
Um, no. And I'll go back to the, the prior game against Vancouver, Steve, when Unu was unlucky when he hit the post. Um, and then Vancouver go and, and literally a minute later score the second goal to all, yeah. all but seal the three points. You know, had Unu have scored that goal, it's a completely different game. So, so goals do change games. Um, yeah. And so it was obvious then when Minnesota got themselves back into it, I thought, right, you, you've got a chance here. And they did grow in confidence. Um, Reynoso, again, I, I thought was superb, um, the way that he operates um, on the ball, but but certainly off the ball as well, Steve. Um, there's one or two issues that he causes off the ball, which I'll get into at some stage when, when it's necessary. But, mm-hmm. but certainly um, from an attacking point of view, the way that he that he pulls, and we, we mentioned this on, on our other podcast um, earlier in the week, that if if Reynoso was able to pull the singular six out, which he did several times, there would be room for Unu to drop in and play it out wide and, and Minnesota will be able to start uh, an attack of some sort. And that happened on multiple occasions. So um, I, I think you have to give real credit, Steve, because um, Minnesota came into that game knowing they had to win. It was absolute. We, we've used the term must win for the last sort of six or seven weeks now. But that was legitimately, you, you have to win this. You have to, because otherwise you, you, your chances of getting into the postseason are very slim indeed. Um, so I thought it, it it was a great showing of character under pressure. Uh, and I put out on um, on social media, Stephen, and I'm sure you want to go into this a bit later on, but um, the the Penenka from um, from uh, Reynoso was was sublime. Um, mm-hmm. And to to have the bottle to do that in that situation, um, it, it was wonderful. Um, his uh, his little trick. Um, was was really a treat, wasn't it? You know, it was wonderful to watch, and and um, I, I genuinely think it for, for me that that and not that I've ever doubted Reynoso because he's by far and away the best player Minnesota have. But in in those moments, that's when you need those players that are full of experience and have been in major pressurized situations in the past, like Reynoso has playing for Boca Juniors in front of fifty, sixty thousand at La Bombonera, and and playing in front of uh, fans that that. It's their livelihood, and 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 I know there are fans here that that will view the team the same as well. But you know that, that there's a bit more veracity at times with those in South America, with the fans in South America. Um, and if you end up losing the game, you'll you'll know about it for a week or two, you know. And that there's real, real pressure down there playing for Boca Juniors. And and I thought Reynoso was about as calm as they came. And um, in, in my opinion, his his experience showed in that moment. His confidence showed in that moment. And that, Steve, that is why you paid the money for somebody like Emmanuel Reynoso to deliver in those massive moments that really matter. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's interesting. Well, let's, let's get to Reynoso next. I'm going to speak to the first part because then we can transition to talking about uh, other game stuff later on. But, uh, Cal, it made me, you know, talking about the must-win situation. I think a fair number of Minnesota United fans wouldn't mind requiring a little less grit and determination all the time, um, huh. which obviously is, it's, it's a, it's a signature character of this team in a lot of ways. But as you've often said before, like you, we just can't make it easy. Like it can't ever be, you know, like coming into a game where you're, you're out of the playoffs, you don't even fold. You have to push us back into the playoffs so that we have to go into the final day you know, on tender hooks again, like waiting to see what's going to happen. We can't ever go quietly into that good night. Just when you think Minnesota United is out, they come back in and it's, uh, it's great. And it's maddening. It's sort of, it's sort of both things at the same time, you know, like, and I think that um, it's, it's fun to watch and it's exciting to watch. And it also uh, is not great for your blood pressure. Um, 
with regard to Reynoso and that sort of that question of like, you know, it's an interesting thing with him because I think that you see um, a guy who is young. Um, that's another thing that we often don't really remember uh, with Reynoso is he's not, you know, you, you know, you look at like having a guy like Kevin Molino or somebody who came in and he was sort of late 20s hitting that prime. How do you take that next step up? Um, you know, we had Darwin Quintero come in. He was obviously sort of late prime or maybe just past his prime. Um, you know, it, we have a bunch of guys who are good. And we've talked about this before with um, acquiring players like Ramon Metinier and Bakai Debasi, who are still extremely quality players who just, you know, they've sort of done everything they can do in another league somewhere else. And they're going to come here and be very good for us. Reynoso is in that that mid-20s becoming who he's supposed to be. He came from a situation in which he he wasn't the number 10. He wasn't the guy, uh, you know, even though he was in a higher pressure situation overall in terms of, you know, the this, the, the idea of soccer culture in, in South America, he hadn't really had to be that guy yet. And now he's being asked to be that guy. And I think we're seeing him mature. I mean, it, there's, not ever, there's never been a question of his talent or his ability. Uh, it's a question of how do you leverage that into leadership, into you know, sort of being calm in the face of adversity, like, like, as we saw when he took that, that penalty shot, um, it's, it's a skill set in the same way that, you know, not making a guy is a skill set. It's a thing you develop over time. It's a thing that, you know, other players on the team have, but they're, they're not that, they're not that star guy. Ozzy Alonso brought, has brought a lot of gravitas to the team, uh, experience and understanding that he's going to make the playoffs. He's not going to let any team that he's on knock into the playoffs. I think you see some of that at different times from, Michael Buxall, I think you see it from from Will Trapp as far as sort of that that leadership on the field. The question is like, how much can Reynoso do that as well? Not just be like, hey, you're the great highlight real player out there, but you're a guy who is really like the bellwether of the team and sort of the guy who determines what the what the uh, what the feel and the tenor of the team is on the field. And I think I think it's still happening, and I think we're beginning to see it right now, Cal. I think with Reynoso, Steve, um, he sets the standard. And if he has a bad game, it, it's more often than not that the team doesn't particularly perform very well. Um, it's obviously great having a player of that stature. Uh, at times, it, it can be a bit of an issue because of, um, as I said, if he doesn't perform well, well, it limits the team at times. I don't think I'm not. I'm not saying Minnesota United are limited because there's other great players on the team and. And we, we've seen them win on other occasions without Reynoso. And I think mm-hmm. it, it was uh, right after the 0-4 start, I think there was a situation where Reynoso didn't play a couple of games. And, and, I, and I think it was good for the group from a confidence perspective and a psychological point of view that, that they proved they could win without Reynoso. But regardless of that, you always want somebody like that on the field when they're available. Um, he's, he's first class, Steve. He, he's so agile as well. When he, the way that he, the one thing I've noticed with him over the last couple of, of games is the way that he, he uses his body as well. Uh, I don't know if this is something that he's worked on, but I've noticed over the last sort of seven or eight games, there's been times when um, he, he just sort of leans one way and because he's shielding the ball, that there's nothing the opposing player can do about it. And he just sort of almost leans into space. Mm-hmm. Um it, he's so agile that the way that he moves, um, he's obviously light-footed. We, we've seen him almost twinkle-toed over the course of, of his time at Minnesota United. Um, you know, I, I legitimately think, Steve, and, and I, I, I'm not looking at this through black and blue tinted glasses. You know, people sort of, I think they know how I operate by now. And um, I, I genuinely think there's there's a case for him to to be um, labeled as, um, as may, maybe not, the best, but certainly one of 
the very best number 10s in Major League Soccer right now. Um, I think about it, and I think about who else is important across the league in terms of number 10s, and, and the only other one that really sticks out to me where you think, right, without him, they are a bit of a different team, and that's Lucas Delarajan at, at Columbus Crew. Um, you know the, the other, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, like the, 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 the don't get me wrong. There's some other really good number tens in this league, um, mm-hmm. like Nicolas Lodero, for example. But the Sounders have sort of proven this year that they, they can play without him if they need to. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, there's been a couple of examples. I'm trying to think off the top of my head now, but um, I mean Pazuelo, obviously Pazuelo, great. Rondo has been in disarray, so they, yeah, it, it's together, so. correct. And and you know the, the other one that I think has given the a good account of himself yeah. recently is is um, Ryan Gold as well. Um, but mm-hmm. see, the, the thing about Carlos Gil, Steve, is that he can also play in wide positions as well. Sure. I don't think he's just restricted to it. And, and I, I'm not, by all means, I'm not saying Reynoso is limited because we, we've seen as well, he, he's more than capable of playing in a inverted wide position in a 4-3-3. But Carlos Gil can legitimately play in, in wide positions as well. And yeah. he, he's done that before he came to the Revs. Um, yeah. Well, and so, Hill has, has Buxa and Bo up there as well. So when you have two guys, you know, that kind of scoring pedigree, who are doing that well in front of you, you can be the guy who is like, I'm the playmaker. Like, and his his numbers make him look like a real number 10 right now, you know, because that's he's taken yes. a gajillion corner kicks. He's delivered a gajillion assists. Um, doesn't hurt to have Buxa and, and Bo playing the way they're playing right now for that. <laughs> No, not at all. And this is a this is a great argument, Steve. It's a great point in terms of, and again, I say this with all due respect, but you have to wonder if Minnesota United had a centre forward up front that had scored sort of 15, 16 goals uh, like Buxa and Bo have combined this year. You mm-hmm. you wonder what those numbers would look like for Reynoso this year. I think it's, yeah. um, what is it, 10 assists prior to the yeah. Kansas City game. Um, I, I wonder if there was a natural centre forward up front I seriously think that could have been doubled this year. He's been that good. Yeah, it could as it easily be up in that. I think Carlos Hill is up in the 15, 16 range, somewhere around there. And so, like, it could it could easily be up in that that uh, territory, Cal. Um, let's talk about the sort of um, it, let's talk about the Panenka. Let's start with the Panenka first mm. because that was a fun thing, and uh, I also had not gotten a chance to do a beyond the box article for a while um, because of the, how quick the games have been coming in, just filling in those things. But this was a chance. And I was like, we're going to talk about the Panenka because I bet there's at least some people out there who saw that happen and were like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> like kicking it slow down the middle uh, of the goal. It's fun. Uh, the Panenka is great. Uh, it was, it was invented by Antonin Panenka, who is a mm. Czech player. And uh, you know, he was in the 76 euros and, and, and he did it to beat West Germany. Um, and it's uh it's fun because the thing that it reminds me of is that, and you know, you, you and any of our listeners knows as, as well as I do that I'm interested in analytics. I'm interested in expected goals. I'm interested in new ways to think about the game and all this stuff like that. A lot of analytics drives you towards efficiency, effectiveness, uh, better output for less input, sort of tactically doing the most you can with what you have. The Penenga is like not any of that. It's like, I'm styling on you. There's obviously a strategic element to it as far as, you know, if you kick it hard down the middle, there's more of a chance they're going to block it by the goalkeeper simply still being there. There's something about letting the goalkeeper get all the way out of the position and then it's moving slowly. But I mean, I'm making a mistake. You're trying to embarrass somebody and it's, 
great when it works. I mean, and it's, it made me think of um, back in the, in the, in the nineties, late eighties, early nineties. I remember people talking about Dominique Wilkins who played for the Atlanta Hawks and how his dunks were so powerful. It was like, they were worth more than two points. And I think the Panenka has an element of that. Uh, not that it's so powerful, but that when you do that, it can be very demoralizing, like in a way that just a straight up scored penalty isn't, it can really feel like, like, I mean, it can also go really bad. <laughs> mm. um, you know, you can you can chip it right to the goalkeeper. That's not that's not a good look, uh, Ali Adnan. So, you know, is a guy I remember doing that. Um, tell me about your Panenka experience. It's wild that this was the first successful penalty for Minnesota the entire season. All, also, uh, uh, Ramon yeah. Avila had had attempted one before and then scored on the rebound, but he had not scored the penalty. Um, it's crazy that this is this was the first penalty, and then that it's a Panenka. It's probably it might be the last penalty of the regular season, the first and only, if nothing happens at LA. So yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, that's a wild stat, isn't it? As you quite rightly say, Steve. Um, and it, again, I think Minnesota have been incredibly unlucky in front of goal this season. No, no, no doubt they've not been clinical enough, and and we've spoken about that um, several times, and everyone knows that. But um, in the penalty box, there's been several times this year I thought they've been really unlucky not to get a penalty. Um, the Penenka is um, something that, well, whenever it happens, Steve, and, and it's successful, I, I always think to myself, "You cheeky little so and so," you know, because it just <laughs> yeah. takes it just takes so much courage. I, I would never, ever, ever do that in a in a situation like that, Steve. You know, first of all, I was never good at, enough to do that, but um, <laughs> I, I would just want to hit it as hard as possible, give the goalkeeper zero chance. Um, but clearly, it's an indication of how confident Reynoso is right now to pull something like that off in a game of that magnitude as well. Um, and as you say, we've seen it go wrong before. And and you can, as you, you quite rightly say, that the aim, I think, is obviously to, to score first and foremost. But, but yeah, there's an added element of you want to embarrass the goalkeeper. You want to show how good you are. Um, and we've seen it go wrong before. It can it can absolutely go from you trying to embarrass to you absolutely being embarrassed because there's nothing worse in that moment, Steve, when the goalkeeper just stands flat and just catches the ball. And <laughs> yes. what's a tremendous waste of a penalty kick that is, you yeah. know? And so it's gone wrong so many times. So when when he pulled it off, I, I must admit, I, I squealed. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe he, he did it. I couldn't believe he had the courage to do it in that situation. But again, this is what I put it on social media, Steve, and I completely... Com- Completely cannot say this enough. This is why you invest in players like him because he's confident, he's calm in these big pressurized situations. It, it looked like it was just a training ground activity to him. You know, it's, mm. it, it was crazy. Steve, you, you wouldn't try that in your backyard playing with your kids, you know, like it just, <laughs> it's just the absurdity <laughs> of doing it in that moment was wild. So um, the one thing it does do, Steve, is it confirms that we have an awfully confident number 10 right now. And you have to say, there's no better time heading into the postseason to have somebody like him playing at the top of his game. Yeah, it's I, obviously we won't know until things go forward, Cal. We won't know until the game against the Galaxy. We won't know until uh, the postseason sort of what uh, fruit a moment like that can bear. But I think that if you think back to, in some ways it reminded me of um, Vito Manone stoning, you know, Ryan Hollingshead. Uh, was it Hollingshead or was it... Um, no, it was the no. Swiss centre-back. Yeah, um, yeah, What was his name? Oh, oh um, uh, Reto Ziegler. Yeah, Ziegler, right. Okay, Ziegler. He was, yeah, he because he was... So, he, so that penalty save at the last minute, just after a goal, it sort of had this 
talismanic moment. I think it was sort of a talismanic moment for that team in 2019. That was like, again, in, in a situation that's a penalty, your goalkeeper sort of stepping up and, and stopping a penalty at a moment when you need it so badly. Um, there, there's something to be said for, again, just sort of that emotional lift, you know, like, again, this is where I think who knows what the analytics say, who knows what the stats say, who knows what any of this means, you know, but going into a postseason, going into a decision day matchup that you're, you're going to need to win. I mean, it's pretty simple at this. We'll get into it after the, uh, after the breed, but like you win and you can, and you're basically determine your destiny. So you need to do this right now going into that. Um, that that's gotta be huge before we leave this game. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the non red card for Amadou Dia, oh. uh, which uh, was, it seems like universally, disgusting people are just like what the hell and uh why was this not called or reviewed or what is going on here um i have my own feelings what uh what did you see there the card should have been as red as red can be um it it's the absolute definition of a red card steve and i tell you what as well reynoso is very very lucky He's not done some serious damage there because when you when you go back and you're having a look at, at the replay, you see his knee sort of twist and the ankle twist as well. It, yeah. He's very fortunate he's not had any major damage. I was up at Blaine at the training facility today and um, he wasn't doing much, but he was still running around and, and he was knocking the ball around and seemed to be okay. There was no concern real. Adrian Heath has said mm -hmm. to the press that he's got a couple of bumps and bruises, I'm sure, from that tackle and, and one or two others, but uh, he seemed to be okay. Uh, but he's extremely lucky there, Steve, because... Um, we, we have seen a lot less go a lot further punished in this league in particular as well. Yeah. Um, for me, that's a red card all day, every single day. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the professional referees organization um, and Major League Soccer themselves go back and, and, and award a red card at a later date and say, yeah, sorry, dear, you, you can't play the last game yeah. of the season or something like that, or one of their last two games of the season. Um, which doesn't do Minnesota United any good, but um, that there has to be punishment. There has to be accountability. Uh, and that, that for me, Steve, was an absolutely rancid, wretched challenge that we, there's, there's no time uh, for a tackle like that in our game. And, and, and all, all Dia is trying to do there is, is slow Reynoso down is stop him in his tracks. Um, I, I don't know if he's good, if he's doing it on purpose, if he's trying to injure Reynoso. I, I don't think so. I, I, I struggle to believe that players actually are out there that, that do that, you know, unless you, you know they're genuinely, they might have a screw loose and that there's one or two out there for sure uh, across world football. But um, I struggle to believe that Dia purposely went into to injure Reynoso. I think he went in to stop him purposely, um, which, which by the letter of the law is a yellow card. But, this was far more severe than just somebody being stopped in their tracks. Uh, it was genuinely endangering the safety of opponents, uh, of an opponent. And, and for me, that is absolutely, Steve, about as red as they come in terms of the, the color of the card. It's, it's a red card all day. And like I said, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if somebody at the league says to Kansas City in a couple of days, sorry, we're, we're going to suspend him because the, the tackle was awful. Yeah, Cal, I mean, I, I think that if you look back to you know, obviously it was rescinded right later, but if you think back to when Reynoso got that red card for what was just a, a, a accident, you know, it was they going for the ball. It just, it, 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 you know, like nobody thought that was going to be a red card. You pull the red card for that to not pull the red card for this seems, seems crazy to me. Um, I, it would be great if, if we found out that they had reviewed it, it would feel like there was a certain sense of, of, of justice and a certain sense of, of responsibility going on here. It, it probably won't trouble SKC that much to lose Dia, 
for the next game because he's played the fewest minutes on the entire right. roster, which is which is one of the things that like I have brought up and I'm not like accusing anybody of anything. To me, I'm a little bit like, okay, you know, you're you're down one goal to a team that needs to win this game, and you know that that is is winning this game right now, and is hopefully heading for a postseason berth. And they, you know, you put in Amadou Dia, who's barely played, and you could see both he and Barber, who are both have not played very many minutes at all, hounding Reynoso down that down that right side, like for the for the rest of that game. And it's fine you're put, putting guys, and you're like, listen, you got to stop this guy. Like we got to stop this from going any further. You got to stop him. I don't know if there's any other kinds of instructions that are given, but it's like it, it might have just been at least negligent. I don't know that it was on purpose, you know, that that Diaz. But, it, you know, there's sort of this thing called depraved heart, uh, which is a, a clause for when you're now I'm talking about murder here, which is a little more excessive sure. than what happened. But um, but this idea that there's something between something being accidental and something being intentional and it's acting in a way in which you don't really care if the consequences are dire. And I wonder about that, the, you know, in, in that kind of behavior for Dia, that like it's, you know, he's not trying to hurt Reynoso, but he is going in hard in a way that's like, well, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. And that's right. that's sort of the way it goes. And that's, um, it's it's a little frustrating to see. It just, I you know, it's just one of those things you're never going to figure out like what actually happened there, but at least a red card and a suspension for Dia, uh, Cal would be some sense of justice, I think, going forward. Yeah, and, and, and look, the, the tackle was almost unapologetic, really, wasn't it? In the yeah. sense of how um, rugged and and how uh, abrasive it was. Um, I, I don't think there was any need for it, really. Um, but I, I think there should probably be an apology from Amadou Dia in there as well. You know, it, it won't come. It won't happen. Yeah. And I understand I mean, why. But he also, know. I will say he also, if you watch the replay, he did not give a crap about it. Mm. Um, like he slid in and he pointed, he's like, we have possession first of all. And then he just stood up and started walking away. And then as soon as the ref pulled the yellow card, everybody, all the Minnesota players around him were yelling at him, but he's just like, there wasn't that sort of thing of, Oh, Oh crap. Sorry. Like, ah, Oh, that was, yeah. that wasn't great. He just was like, which sort of also makes me feel like, oh, okay, that was, that's your job. It's like a hockey enforcer or something like that. Um, he knew what he was right. doing for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. When injury takes you out of the game, Maybe you're getting slide tackled aggressively by Amadou Dia. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right. Let's talk about what's coming up in the next week. It's a lot. Um... I'm going to start by talking a little bit about seeds four through eight <laughs> in the playoffs, <laughs> essentially, and where we are. Now, I wrote down a bunch of stuff, and I'm just going to go through it. I don't even know if any of it makes sense at this point. It's wild, okay? Um, to get to the fourth seed for Minnesota United, which is not you know, out of the realm of possibility to host a playoff game, you do have to have the Timbers lose or draw their next two games. And then if they draw them both – you'd have to beat the galaxy by at least two goals, I think to win out on goal differential. So you have to beat the galaxy by two goals on the road and Portland would have to lose or draw to Austin FC at home, which doesn't seem likely to happen. So I'm not, mm. I'm not particularly sanguine on getting that, that, that fourth spot. It's not impossible. Uh, if Vancouver beat LAFC at home tonight, Vancouver goes to fourth. Uh, if LAFC beat Vancouver, they would jump to seventh on goal differential. So that would change some of that, that stuff there. If, if RSL beat Portland on Wednesday, along with Vancouver winning, that pushes the galaxy 
into the eighth spot and Minnesota would then be seventh. And then you're going to accuse up a decision day uh, battle for that, that final playoff spot, essentially there. If Minnesota beat the galaxy on the road, they're basically good. LAFC can't catch them even with two wins. So that would be 50 points. Minnesota would get to 51 points. So if LAFC win both games, they still will be below Minnesota United. So you're basically good. If you beat the galaxy, the final three teams in there, seeds five six seven are going to be some combination of portland which is not super likely i believe according to 538 they have a 79 percent chance of being the fourth seed at this point um they're the, the, it's a pretty solid chance that portland are going to be fine um but some combination of portland vancouver rsl minnesota and the galaxy with you know so that's it's going to be some combination of those probably vancouver rsl minnesota and la one of them will get bounced out of the playoffs um this is insanity according to 538 minnesota united have the highest chance of finishing fifth so where they are right now is fifth they have a 27 percent chance of finishing fifth uh about even chances of finishing sixth seventh or eighth about 20 percent chance of each of those things happening 19 20 percent 20 21 percent chance so there's mm. you know a, a one in five chance that they miss the playoffs but it, overall there's a better chance of making the playoffs than not making the playoffs but this is MLS. We've seen crazier things happen than Austin FC upsetting Portland at home, like on the final day of the season. Like, who knows? It's this is this is why we're here. It's it's because every game up until this game has been the most important game of Minnesota United season, and just just wouldn't be right if it didn't end with another most important game of Minnesota United season. It it's just the most enthralling race for the playoffs I, I've ever seen, Steve. It, it it's just it it is absolutely possible that a ninth place LAFC could still be in the playoffs. It is absolutely possible that at the moment, the team in fourth, Portland, could absolutely have a major, major problem and fall out of the playoffs. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before, Steve. Um, yeah. and, and like I said, it, it's great to, to watch, but I, I wouldn't want to be a of a coaching staff right now because I, I can't imagine they're getting much sleep. Um, but this is why we love this time of year, Steve, in terms of <laughs> you know the, the playoffs and, and the importance of, of essentially every single pass and kick and goal and what have you. It, it, it is so important. Everything really, really matters now. Um, and th this is also a really good argument for, for why the playoffs are a thing as well. You know, sometimes you get people saying, ah, oh, well, you know, we, we, we prefer the league look more like the the mm -hmm. leagues in, in Europe and what have you. Uh, th th this is a good argument as to say, well, actually, um, here in, in North America, th this is actually um, much better from an entertainment perspective. And I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I know the counter argument there is, well, you know, the Champions League race, Europa League race, all that. I, I get that. But, um, you know, the, the playoffs are the be-all and end-all um, in, in American sports, in, in North American sports. And, um, you know, to have it as as tight as it is right now is, is tremendously entertaining. And, and honestly, Steve, I, somebody asked me over the weekend, what, what I thought was going to happen, where I thought people would finish. I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Um, yeah. And you try and map it out. If you know, it, it, it's just impossible. Um, the, the only thing I will say is, is that I, I do think, um, despite your, your theory of, of, um, MLS is crazy and anything could happen, which I agree with. I, I do see Portland thumping Austin on the last day of the season, yeah. meaning that they'll solidify fourth and, and there won't be an issue there. Um, but in terms of the, the remaining the remaining five teams that have playoff possibilities, I have no idea. 
Minnesota could finish fifth and end up going to Portland. They could finish seventh and end up going to Seattle or Kansas City. Maybe they finish sixth and end up going to Colorado. Maybe they finish eighth and don't even enter the playoffs at all. Like no one has any idea, Steve. And yeah, and uh, this is why we love this time of year because it is tremendously enthralling. And um, honestly, Steve, if I could fast forward time now, I would to Sunday because I can't wait for it. I, I love decision day in itself is, is a, you know, the idea of decision day is great, but the fact that, you know, again, here we are with legitimately another really decisive day for Minnesota United for, for the third year running. Yeah. It's wonderful. It, it's really, really entertaining. And, and um, I can't wait because obviously the, uh, the opponents, LA galaxy need a win as well. So um, it legitimately will be really entertaining, Steve. I can't wait for Sunday. Yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of the way the league is structured right now, Cal, it's really a good, they've hit a good balance. Uh, you know, it, it'll remain to be seen how it proceeds over time. But I think with, um, you know, you, the supporter shield is still obviously a big deal. Um, and then I think that the um, the single elimination playoff format they went to has has helped because I think that that brings a little more in line with North American sports, you know, like the NFL and things like that. Yes. Obviously, some other other sports have series is but, you know, it's like the, the two games was was seemed like a weird fit. I think for, for how to follow sports and how quickly you can just like the single elimination is like, it goes fast and it makes the playoffs exciting. And every week, you know, there's like, this is it. Like every game is, 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 is all to play for, which is great. So there's, it's got a good balance right now. I mean, I'd love to see the U S open cup, you know, come back and, and do more again. Um, that's also a great thing to, to watch. What do you think? Here's what I'll, I'll ask. What matchup do you want as far as, a first round playoff matchup. If you got to pick for Minnesota United amongst let's say those top four, because who knows what could happen in, in the last day, Seattle, Kansas city, Colorado, or Portland. What do you think? What, 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 what team would you, would you want to face? It, it's either away Portland or away Colorado. And the only reason I say uh, away Colorado is, is just because they, they, they seem to be as comfortable on the road as they are away. There's not really any yeah. major, Eight wins either way. Eight wins at home. Yeah, the, there's not really any like a you know when you go to Portland, it's like oh it's Providence Park, you know it's difficult. Whereas with Colorado, it's like Dick Sporting Goods Park, you know it's not particularly a fabulous atmosphere. Um, the altitude thing will also play its part for sure, but um, yeah. you know, but 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 also the, the, this year, in my opinion, Robin Fraser's done an amazing job. So uh, if you're asking me to absolutely pick one, Steve, I would say Minnesota has probably got a as good a chance as anybody. Uh, of winning on the road in a place they already have this year, which is Portland. So mm -hmm. I would actually say, if you're asking for the perfect scenario, I think it would be Minnesota finishing fifth and playing the fourth seeded Portland Timbers away. Um, yeah. it, I mean, look, the perfect scenario would be Minnesota finishing fourth, wouldn't it? But, but sure. <laughs> let's a just lot, assume that won't happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think away to Portland, Minnesota match up um, tactically better against Portland than, than the other teams. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I would go with that, Steve. Um, but re regardless, but wherever they end up, it's still going to be so supremely tough. It, it's not easier to, to win on the road in this league, Steve, and given the circumstances as well. Um, you know, Portland Timbers is a vibrant place. You've been to Providence Park a number yeah. of times. It, it's, it, it's, it's a soccer city. It really is. And, and, and people absolutely legitimately love Portland Timbers and the atmosphere absolutely, much like it does at Allianz Field, plays its part. 
Um, mm. But in terms of, of pushing all of that aside, I think um, tactically, I think Minnesota can get the better of Portland Timbers out of any of those those um, those top four. Um, so I would say that the best outcome, um, assuming that Minnesota can't finish fourth, would be away to Portland Timbers. Yeah. Yeah, I think tactically we've seen over the last, you know, couple of years that I think Portland has, you know, no team is, is, is an easy win. And Portland is certainly not an easy win, but we've seen Minnesota figure out how to play against Portland, both at Providence Park and at Allianz Field. I think that, that, that there's a, a blueprint there. In some ways, I feel like there's a, a better blueprint against Kansas City than Colorado right now. Um, and that's, you never really, you know, and that's not just because Minnesota won, you know, was it 3-0 uh, at, at Children's Mercy Park last, last year in the playoffs. Um, you know, that's, that's a different Kansas City team. It's a different Minnesota United team. Uh, it just seems like based on playing them recently, Minnesota United has something of a way to deal with Kansas city that I haven't really seen with Colorado in the same way. I mean, Colorado's just, you know, again, it's like they're, they're depth across the whole field. Jack price is a murderer. Like he's, it's, it's brutal. They bring guys like, you know, Cole Bassett in off the bench. Sometimes, you know, there's just, it, there's, there's a lot there and, and they're really tough and it's, you know, they have a very good goalkeeper in William Mar- Yarbrough right now. Obviously Tim Ely is not no slouch. You know, he had, didn't have a great game against Minnesota United, but in some ways I think the blueprint is better for playing Kansas city, but you know, it could be Vancouver. Like right. Vancouver <laughs> has two games to play. It could be Minnesota going to Vancouver, you know, like who knows it's, it's complete. It's complete insanity. Cal. <laughs> it, it is complete carnage, isn't it? Steve? It really is. And, can you imagine that? Yeah, if we end up going to, to Vancouver, it would just be insane, wouldn't it? having just been there as well. Uh, yeah. But maybe that would be a good thing, you know, having understood how they play and and what what the expectations are. You know, maybe that would be a good thing. Who knows? But yeah. Um, yeah. Danny Sartini has got them playing some lovely stuff right now. Seriously, uh, very very high pressing. Um, it it is quite blue collar, no holds barred type football and. Um, I think he should get the job, by the way, if they get into the playoffs. Mm. Uh, I know he wants it. That's what he sort of said to us, is that if they get into the playoffs, he's going to be knocking on the door of the GM saying, yeah. well, I want this job. And, and, and he has every right to do so, and, and I hope he gets it. But um, that would be quite the trip as well for Minnesota. But honestly, Steve, right now, as I said earlier on, somebody asked me over the weekend what I think is going to happen. I have no idea. And that in <laughs> itself is the beauty of it all. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave previewing the game up to you guys on the match preview show dealing with the LA Galaxy because oh, I know that's great. That's for that, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't really want to even dive into it right now. Here's what I have to say about Vanny Sartini. Uh, having seen him, he has that annoying uh, older European man quality of like if you were an American, you'd be like this guy looks kind of like a nerd or a dork. But he's Italian, so he looks cool. Like he's just he was wearing like jeans and a button down shirt, and I was just like so obnoxiously like offhandedly like stylish <laughs> for like a guy who just yeah anyways vanny sartini i'm you know vanny sartini for president i i say put him in there if, if they make the postseason after the way vancouver has looked over the last several years like they'll be doing a good job so everybody if you want to find out about the la galaxy uh you have to listen to kendra and cal talk about it um because i I'm not even going to touch that. Who even knows? Thanks for joining us for the 162nd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at Cal Williams.com and you can follow me at Steve Entress. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and my dog who's barking he's been barking this whole podcast i don't know if you can hear it but he's an idiot he was down here and then he went upstairs (laughs) and now he's upstairs barking because he wants to come downstairs but he's old and he won't come downstairs (sighs) 
there's only one dog in this world like my dog. <clears throat> and people can like <laughs> you exactly as you are.